Welcome to London Runway Style. This is your guided exploration of collections and catwalks from London shows. This week, in a special episode, we talk to Maxine Griffiths, Norman Basigu and Ben Springham about Black Lives Matter, racism within the fashion industry and the role of media in promoting diversity. Um, Alright, so let's get started. We can each introduce ourselves. I'll begin. My name is Rhiannon DeVerk and I'm the Chief Editor of London Runway. Uh, I'm a white woman, which is quite relevant in terms of today's discussion. Hi, I'm the other female on the blog. My name is Maxine Griffiths. I am a consultant, also a catwalk and runway coach um, at the Models Workshop. And I am a black woman. Hi, everyone. So my name is Norman Basigu. So I'm a black male, African. Um, So I am a model, I am a presenter, and I work full-time in the legal industry. As far as modelling is concerned, I won the modelling competition Fashion for Africa UK in 2018. Some accomplishments include being published in Black Beauty magazine, London Runway magazine, featuring in Elle online, and collaborating with some brands abroad. As far as presenting, my biggest accomplishment so far is working with Ben Television's BEN Sky Channel 458. And as I said, I work full-time in the legal industry. That's me. Mm-hmm. Mm. And I am Ben Springham. I'm a freelance uh, illustrator, mostly focusing on fashion, so fashion illustrator. Um, I attend Fashion Week uh, to do fashion coverage. Um, I also freelance in my own time. Um, I've been featured in um, the Gentlewoman. Um, I've been featured with The Face magazine just recently and the a couple of other publications as well as London Runway uh, so yeah all right let's um let's start by just going through some general thoughts about the worldwide situation that's happening right now we've got Black Lives Matter protests we've got a lot of people who've, who've been brought to media attention for being killed um uh, it's generally a state of unrest at the minute in the middle of COVID-19 as if that wasn't bad enough already um I wonder if you guys have any general thoughts on that and on what's going on. Oh, I also forgot to mention I'm white and I'm queer and I'm male. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, darling. Hello. (laughs) I forgot that piece of information in case it needs to be known because everyone else did. (laughs) We kind of just mentioned it because we can't see each other. So this is like the weirdest thing. This is my first podcast, by the way. So time for everything. yeah. Oh, really? So, yeah, this is going to be really good, Reese. I've not, I've not done a podcast. I've been asked to do several, never went on. I, I just didn't feel the need. Okay, so, um, Black Lives Matter. Or all lives black matter. Lives matter. This, is, this is my question. Does black, does black Lives Matter or All Lives Matter? Everybody's about this Black Lives Matter. And mm. I'm, I'm finding that it's suddenly on the table. It's the in word. It's the topic of conversation where we walk. I am even, I don't know Norman if you're finding this, I'm even getting a few stranger looks when I'm walking down the road. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit weird. Um, like, going to certain areas and when I'm out shopping, and it, it just seems a bit on the supermarket, like people are a bit off. And and this is I, probably not even about the black I think it's like just things like with the coronavirus as well, yeah. saying that um, we're likely to carry it and all of it. All of mm. the, ev- everything just seems to be so centered around us at the moment and good and bad. Yeah. But I'm, it, mm. I'm finding it a little bit frustrating yeah. because I'm looking 
for me, I've got generations that I'm actually looking after. So it's mum, it's mm. my parents, it's my children, um, it's a few friends, a few people that I mentor as well. And um, yeah, I'm just finding a bit weird trying to work out my own emotions as well, yeah. my own feelings on where I stand. So, um, and, and as an older woman, because I am actually in that older bracket as well, um, that's bloody annoying to be quite frank as well. So, because um, they kind of forget that, you know, my parents came here um, on the back end of this. What it was we're talking about now? The wind rush as well. Can we throw that in yes. there as well, Ree? Yeah, absolutely. So the wind, yes. the wind rush is the other thing yeah. that's happening as well. So you know, there's a lot going on at the moment. You know, Maxi, can I can I pivot off you just there? So um, please do. So your first point you raised about emotions and feelings. You know, when, personally, the way I conceptualise this is why is the world reacting this way in 2020? I think it's a mixture of things, but I think COVID and the fact that we're in a global pandemic is a really big factor. It's kind of taken a back seat because of all that's happening. We're in a strange time where humanity is on the defensive and we're fighting against the virus that we know relatively little about from a scientific perspective. So I feel like as humans, for the first time holistically around the world, we're in a very hypersensitive state. And because of that, we're extremely critical of everything that's happening around us. So from George Floyd to just people on the street to everything. And the nature of this conversation going on is uncomfortable. It's about race, it's about discrimination, it's about equality. There are unequal systems all over the world when a capitalist structure, which is built upon, um, you know, difference and inequality effectively. So the fact that now, you know, everyone's at home or we're on lockdown, so we're not as mobile as we were before. And we're forced mm. to think about these things. The world has mm. slowed down in a way that it's never, it never has before. We're mm. forced to really have this in our face. You know, every time you turn on the news, you're seeing something about a protest or about a discussion or a panel or about COVID, something that's affecting the human race or about equality within the human race. And if we look at America's response, you know, it erupted an outcry. It was the most widespread civil unrest since the assassination of Martin Luther King, some are saying. And the energy has spread internationally to other cities, such as London and Berlin and Paris with the protests. And I think just to close that point off here, cause <clears throat> is so much bigger than just justice for George Floyd um, and policing departments and, and, and police practices. Because now we're really looking across particular industries like what can we do um, to make sure things are more accessible, are more diverse, and that we can really help to mitigate and negate these effects of inequality that we're not having these conversations in 20, 30 years' time. That's what I think on that. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I, I wonder if then um, kind of a point to make would be that if we weren't all in lockdown, then as we've seen in the past with people like Philandro Castile, when there was Black Lives Matter protests at that time, yeah. the news cycle had other things to focus on and it moved on. Yeah. Whereas right now we're in this, right this situation where there's just nothing else happening. <laughs> Basically, yeah. You think? Yeah, I think so. I think it plays a big factor. Like even just yesterday, so the BBC um, has announced a £100 million um, inclusivity fund in saying that they're aiming for 20% of diversity within the operations and I think and I think that's a knock 20? on yeah something around 20% right, that's nothing. 20 PC um you know <laughs> and I think as Rihanna said I think it's I genuinely think like with Rihanna I think it's because we're all at home now I think it's because we have to really confront these issues that are in our face and life has slowed down in a way that it never has before and let's not forget unemployment as well in America I think mm. there's over 30 million people unemployed at the moment plus the number keeps rising people are unable to work people are furloughed um, people are in a state of limbo, so they have time again to focus. Mm. That's true, and I think you know if you've got something, that, yeah. if you've got something that annoys you or that 
uh, you feel bitter about or any, any kind of negative emotions when you're sat on your own at home all day, that's when it really builds on you. And I guess that manifests in some ways as well. I do even think as um, we, as we have had so much time on our hands, um, even for middle-class white people that maybe have been exposed to the issues surrounding Black Lives Matter for a little while now, but maybe haven't felt that they've had um, the opportunity to speak up about it. Okay. Um, but now they've been able to maybe share more of their views and join in with the movement um, because maybe it feels they have, well, they have the time now and, and um, they want to show their solidarity and also make a point of showing that um, that it's important, you know, for everybody to think about. It's going both ways, though. This is what I'm finding. It's going both ways because mm. um, I'm I'm seeing, I had to put a statement out the other day that even on some people on my Facebook, on their timelines, I'm like, I'm watching your narrative, your language. And some mm. of it is borderline, very strong racism. I didn't mm. know that's what you were like. I didn't know you had that level of thought. It's really shocking. And I'm like, yeah, Whoa, now I've got to watch what you what you're about because um, people that I, I may have been around and you know generally thought they were genuine people. Really, you actually don't like me as a black person. Maybe not as a person, but oh, you don't like what I my the narrative behind um, black people. And that's that's you have thoughts. That's weird. I just find mm -hmm. it very weird. Even with what Clara Amfo was saying about um, this sense that you know you like our culture, you like our music, mm -hmm. but you don't like mm. us. You know? And I found that really powerful and and exactly uh, following on from what you mm -hmm. said. Um, and and that really that really upset me because um, I can I can actually see that and I can imagine how that um, that that. Um, that's taken on board uh, with, with people of colour. Um, and I think um, we've, we're really trying to, um, you know, get to grips and, and try and let you know, that, you know, there are some of us that we, we do know and, and we're with you and we're, we're, you know, we're doing the work. <laughs> but, you know, at the same time, with, with seeing what people are sharing on Facebook mm. and you think that you know people, but you suddenly think, okay, I know you're not a bad person, but you're clearly very ignorant. <laughs> mm. Um, mm. Oh, you're not do, allowing do, do, yourself is to... ignorance though this yeah. is this is my thing is it ignorance and maybe, maybe because i'm mature some part, yeah. i don't know some part yes but some parts you know maybe it's just because of the system uh they're not aware that maybe even what they're saying is a racist term i always I, it's just understanding it really i'm always baffled i mean i grew up um i grew up in norfolk which obviously is very rural and i really didn't encounter people of different races at you didn't all. know any black people mm. Rianne, baby i didn't well i i knew there were two Indian <laughs> guys in my year at school that's that's it that's it that's the sum title um and um yeah so i didn't i did i wasn't exposed to racism in any form at an early age and i suppose i was brought up by parents that are quite liberal as well mm -hmm. so i think when i first sort of you know probably as a teenager young teenager started to hear about racism i was like wait this is a thing that still happens i thought this was just you know in the past uh, like, yeah, it doesn't make any sense to me what are you basing mm. it on you can't generalize yeah, a whole group of people mm. and i think i think in that sense that's where probably the ignorance comes from because i think if you're you know if you can sit there and categorize a whole group of people under one brush, oh yeah most definitely then you you're ignorant that's you haven't realized that people are individuals 
yeah, I can I can go by the same thing with the the, the community that I live in, uh, which is in Hertfordshire in Bishop Stalford. It's just northeast of London, and I didn't grow up with many people of colour around me at all. And actually, the percentage of white and people of colour is more it's more white area. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe I had even in my 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 primary school, I don't think I had anyone in my class that was of colour. Maybe I think Pakistani. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in secondary school, maybe there's one uh two to three per year um and i mean it just you know it's so infuriating when you when you are then exposed to certain texts um and and you're like why have i never been educated about this <laughs> yes. um, yeah you know that's, that's really true where you come from. yeah we, we didn't have like a class in school saying like maybe you should treat everybody equally and you know there's um there's a big discussion around this actually whether or not the um UK curriculum, for example, history should be adapted to teach more about, um, the, yeah, around the you know the, the British Empire and what they did. Let's say mm-hmm. scramble for Africa in the 1900s, or just how they colonised mm-hmm. most of the world and the part they played. You know, I remember when I was in school, I learned about the Tudors, the royal family, the lineage, but yeah, nothing yes. about what they did beyond the UK. And um, it was always sort of the one-off special um lesson mm. with the teacher that was with it or um like history month which for mm. me yes. doesn't, doesn't go nearly far enough you get, you get the odd lesson about martin luther king and you watch a few of the speeches yeah. you you hear the malcolm so you read the malcolm x transcript for the booklet or the ballot a thousand times over but for me that doesn't go far enough and that, i think that speaks to yeah. your experiences as to why maybe you, you hadn't been exposed to the, maybe the history or or certain things of of, of why this is happening you know i think all sorts mm. of education and you know, there's so many calls now for, you know, there's a lack of information being provided at a younger level. And I think that's where it has to start. And, and I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up because um, just listening to the three of you, the education system, we, when I was in school, we, we learned about history, the further seat when it went to slavery. And we'd mm. always, when we turned the pages in the book, what we'd be um, prone to was, there's, there's a couple of images and they're, they're flashing in front of me now would be the where they're side by side and how they were brought, how how um, blacks were brought over from Africa, very prominent, was shown to us. Um, there's another one with this thing around the neck as well that was shown to us in history books, but never anything in a positive light. And this is now me actually sitting here with you, um, you guys, actually recalling what did I get in store? Nothing, absolutely nothing that was <laughs> elevated until I think it was was till. The, Late so late 70s, I think it was, um, around that time when when we did knew a little more about the Malcolm X's, the Martin Luther King's, um Rastafarianism and all of that, that that time, um it was kind of you kind of went out and found your own kind of, your own connects. Because yeah. I, I, yeah. I myself, in the time when I was growing up, I was very, very liberal. So I had friends that were black and white. But then I had some friends mm. that was solely their circle was only black. And then I'd have own, some friends, their circles were only white. And being mm. a creative as well, you would go into an environment and it would be so neutral. So you right. black, white, gay, yeah. um, mm. Trans, you you would have such a diverse set of people, and our only interest was in performance of theatre, performing arts. So mm-hmm. I spent three years in Wales and never didn't think anything of at all until when it was time to do my hair. Maybe 
Do you know what I mean? Mm. Then I then like, where do I go and get products from? I, I don't straighten it and I don't use um um what's the what's it what was the um, dandruff? What's the one for dandruff that they use? Um, oh, I can't use. Oh yeah, products, you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, come out like a Brillo pad. So uh-huh. I never I never experienced anything like that until. I think when I came back to London and that's when you kind of saw the distinct difference. I think I must have been about eight, 19, 19 at the time. That's when you started to see the difference in the divide. My friends have always been mixed. There's always, mm. I, I, you know, I can go on both, both sides of the fence. I, I can go where I want to go and do it all because I probably, because I'm confident in myself and I didn't see colour. But now I think mm. so the younger guys that are coming up it feels like there's a very strong divide happening. And it's like, wow, is this really happening now? And, you know, I've got, some people are saying, yes, it is happening. Like you said, Ren, it's now where people are looking at things and they've had time on their hands and where you might have been able to brush certain things under the carpet and things that haven't, haven't been able mm. to be said as well. Mm. Uh, there are things that I want to mm. say right now that, you know, I'm I'm being very careful because I want to make sure I say what I have to say on the right platform to the right audience because a lot yeah. of young people need to hear what I've got to say about my experiences within the industry um, mm-hmm. where the door has firmly been shut in my face or I've been too dark, um, Norman, way oh. too dark to be be part of the front line. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Think, That's yeah. so shameful. Can I build on this point? Um, of course you can. Thank like you. So, voice, um, yeah. you know, regarding what you just said about visibility, accessibility, and like having the platform and the time to actually say certain things that are being swept under the rug, I want to point to something that Store Models did yesterday on their social media. So, I think we are in this wave of, of change that is starting to seep through, or at least we're having the conversation, and the data is now being put front and center as to what the state of affairs are. So, Store Models yesterday they put up a post, and it showed data regarding their employees and their models and the proportions of those that are black, non-black, people of color and white. Mm. And, um, you know, the stats show that 10% of employees are black and 18% are of, of women are black. Mm. And that shows that those numbers are quite alarming in many ways, but it's a starting point. And I'd rather that where, you know, you have a, you have a, you come to a place where the numbers are there, they're visible and there's something that we can work from. I'd much rather that than just a meme or a caption or a nice public statement about how the world needs to yeah. change. I'd rather that we look inward now and look at our recruitment processes and look at how we're actually funneling through talent from the from the from but the is that, is that enough is, is that really enough just just like not enough no no, no it's not enough it's a starting point because we weren't having this before were we, we weren't having but, this but, but you wasn't having it before because you wasn't it, we, you, it's, like, it's almost like compulsory everybody doesn't yeah. want to seem like the bad guy at the moment yeah that's what we I'm need way more. Yeah. We need way no. more, but at least we're getting numbers. At least we're no, getting. No, everybody doesn't want to seem like the bad guy at the moment. Mm. It's like now, let, let me do it first. You know, let, let's do it to make it, and then let's see who follows soon. No bullshit. Bring us to the table. Mm. Bring us to yeah. the table. Have that conversation. Mm. That's where I'm. That's where I'm at. You. For listen, sure. For sure. Most of these agencies, most of it, they know what's going on, and they know, like mm. you. Said, it's the the old the, the schoolboy. The you know, I mean, I grew up with you. I know a friend. Oh, my aunt, my niece went to wherever. I don't even want to start name dropping. Um, this is the conversation that's happening. But do you know what? I think I heard Naomi come say, "You, if you want to know what what, what what's happening, you've got to have a fair representation around that table." Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, 
That's, that's how yeah. I feel. A fair no, representation. Sure. Not just a number that feels... No, no, it's, no, that's not enough. By any means, that is not enough. But it's a starting point. The, thing is, the reason why I bring up Storm in particular is because we could, I think we can all say that Storm is arguably at the top of the hierarchy or the pyramid of, as far mm. as agencies go, Storm, Elite, they're at the, the apex of the pyramid. They are the top global agencies in the world. So it's mm. my hope if they're doing that, as, as far as being leaders, as far as being someone to actually say, look, we're going to do this. We're the leading agency in the world. We're going to put the numbers up. And hopefully that starts a conversation. As to, okay, so. How do we get more people? Because again, it's a process. And this is the thing, like, I've had this conversation so many times. We operate in a system. And I was talking about this on Ben TV the other day. This idea <laughs> of the fact that what changed we need to see following George Floyd, I, I pointed out how legal reform is happening in, um, in, in Minnesota, in New York. You know, there's a law being, um, a bill being drafted to hopefully prevent um, the chokehold maneuver so that becomes illegal. So putting uh, that into this context, if we have numbers, if we have data and people are talking about it, there's nowhere to hide now. Okay, the numbers no, weren't no, there before. No, my darling. Lovely. And I'm hoping this is a starting mm. point. It's not okay. enough by any means. No, I agree with you. But it's, not, yeah. it's not enough. No way. But at okay. least it's something. Me and you are having a conversation and Ben Ariana cry. So this is my thing. Yeah. <laughs> This is my thing, and this, yeah, is, this yeah. is the question I'll ask. In comparison to America, yeah, let's bring it home. We are in the UK. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And we have to look at what we are dealing with in the UK. Mm. Yes, America may oh, be really. in the forefront and um, leaders, but my thing is, and I've said it before, the UK. This is the United Kingdom. We yeah. can leave London and go up to the pinnacle end of Scotland and they haven't got a clue about black people at all. Mm. Um, and you know, these statues are coming down, all of this stuff that's going on. And I'm like, we are in the UK. America may be leading it, but we need to understand that we have, and I, and I, don't, know, I don't like that we have black, British, young people now coming through. We have white Irish coming mm-hmm. through. We have white mixed race coming. This is their country. They do not know anywhere else in the world. This is where we are at now. And if we're looking outside, the reform and the changes need to start happening in the very institutions that have established themselves and have and I repeat, have not even mm. given a person of colour um, the same credibility, the same um, respect, and um, I don't know, yeah, the same credibility at the table because they put done the work just as much and just as hard. It, mm. That's my because it's all the um, you know. The, the friends of the friends or somebody you have do, do, do you know what i mean i, I, yeah, yeah. If I'm putting, I don't know if i'm putting it right but this no, I is get you. I get exactly. I yeah, get this you. is the uk and mm. um we now have to be dealing with us as as an as an empire the great british empire now united kingdom yeah built unitedly i want to touch on that as well and, please you know not just not just about the uk but more specifically we're also in the fashion industry and I wonder um, if you guys have some examples, not necessarily with naming any names, but uh, just experiences that you've had or that you've witnessed within the fashion industry of perhaps not even deliberate racism, but just 
you know, being passed over for things. I can jump in there. So for me, um, I can't personally say I've ever experienced overt racism. So for example, mm. you won't get this because of your background or colour of your skin. Um, I don't, like, I've never personally experienced that, but I do think in the context of discrimination, there are certain things that I've seen, right? And I think a big conversation is sort of the lack of diversity that I've seen. Um, oh. A particular on-schedule fashion shows that I've been invited to to, to yeah. either intern at or, oh. or to or to or to watch, and it's really striking in terms of you know the aim community to Black, Asian, minority, ethnic, seeing very few operating at that top level. And you, when you, you get the chance to talk to them, um, oh. you know they just detail how long and how hard and almost how. It took a minute, it took the stars to align for them to get to this point, if you see what I mean. Right. And um, that right. point of diversity and discrimination, like what it took, how they had to move mountains and how they had to go through so much to get to this point. Um, and can this be said for other counterparts? I can't speak on their behalf, so I don't know, but that question can be raised. And if we go back to that, those stats that I brought up of Storm, like, you know, um, who's on their books? 80%, 18% of um, black models are, are sorry, 18% well, of their models are black. So, 18, 1-8. Eight. Yeah, 1-8, eight, yeah, 1-8. Okay. So, again, bringing that back to the data and looking at, again, the models that I've met at these on-schedule shows, you know, looking at that, um, that speaks volumes about where the state of affairs are. And then, secondly, looking at the cutthroat nature of the recruitment processes, and by that I refer to the, the instances of walk-ins and casting calls, and I think Maxine can pivot off this. It, the way in which, like, you know, I've gone for castings, and you're pretty much just told like you can be told no in a very demeaning way like i've been told all sorts i've been told find another dream this isn't for you like mm. you just you just get told point blank okay. like, people just laugh at you like sometimes you just get very demeaning responses sometimes and yeah for me this thing is every single year since 2018 i've achieved bigger things so winning a competition being published in magazines doing shoots abroad but these things don't seem to be taken into account and when I look at the recruitment processes that you see of walk-ins and casting calls, I feel like so much more needs to be changed there. Um, because okay. I feel like, yeah, go on, Maxine. I was just going to say, like, when it comes to certain, um, certain brands and, and labels and designers and stuff, they know what they're looking for. They've already... Exactly, yeah. And it's sometimes it, it's, it's, it's not a black or a white thing. That's just the way it is. But yeah. in terms of um, Rihanna's question, yes, I had to attend a massive casting once took a few models down there, I think it's about 15 models down there. And there's an array of different designers from all different world. Um, and some of the models that we had, um, we sent them all through. Everybody's gone, gone through. So for those that don't know, um, I like to manage my models when I take them out as well. And um, a particular designer made it very clear that she, wants, she didn't want any white models. She only wanted black models. And um, one of the models came out she was absolutely fuming. Fuming, fuming, fuming. That's racist. How dare she say that she doesn't want any white models? She only wants black models. And I stood there and I turned my head sideways. And I thought, now you know how we feel sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> and but she was she was fuming. She was absolutely the model was absolutely fuming because she didn't understand why you know. And I thought, and and I I, I couldn't say anything. I, it sounds like. I'm almost basked in the, in the moment. So now you know how some black models feel when they go for castings and they go up in front and they say, no, that's not what we want, that's not what we want, that's not what we want. Because it's already been stigmatised. Um, black models may not sell um, what yeah. they require for that particular brand, which I, I understand. But 
I don't understand it when there's a trigger thing because if and it, it comes down to branding and triggering and what goes on mm-hmm. behind the scenes and so forth, and so forth. So if we're going if we're going down the tube station and we're looking for a particular, uh, are we going to see the models that look like us? Um, yeah, Norman. You know what I mean? I, are we going to see enough yeah. models of Cardinal? Are we going to see models that might be peculiar in a certain way and have bright pink hair mm, um, exactly. and, and maybe maybe or maybe gay? Are we going to see? Are we going to see couples kissing? You know what I mean? Female, female, male, male. Kiss- you know what I mean? Yeah. This is what yeah. we're this is what we're going to start to see. But um, nobody's actually coming out and saying, "Well, this is what we've had to go through to get there." I mean, ASOS. I'm going to jump on ASOS and Boohoo. Um, the adverts that I'm now looking at H and M. I'm a couple of Primark, a couple of other neighbor. I'm actually looking at the bill. I'm like, oh, okay, oh, great. We've got somebody up there. It looks like I've got blah, blah, blah. It's very, it's almost like they've seen somebody, um, somebody's style and somebody else's um, um, collection. And then you've taken that up and you've, you've altered it to fit that particular audience. But you know, at the end of the day, that you wouldn't have that type of person on your books, really. It's just for mm. Can I can I jump in there? That's it's such just, a good point you've raised. Yeah. Uh, can I jump in there really quickly? Um cool. on the floor. So I think this again comes back to this idea of how the fashion industry as a business works. And I've got some data. So according to the United States Congress Joint Economic Committee in 2019, the global fashion industry was worth 2.5 trillion. So it's a big business. And I think we need to remember mm. this. 2.5 trillion. Yeah. Mm. And I think this needs to be at the forefront of our minds when discussing how the fashion industry works and linking back to what you just spoke about. So mm-hmm. remember, it's a model's job effectively to advertise the clothes and entice individuals to buy them, mm-hmm. right? Be that through mm-hmm. runway or photo shoots, be what have you. And mm-hmm. this end, brands will have the aim of trying to generate as much revenue as possible. So need to analyze trends with the models, what works and what doesn't, and how the models would solidify their brand and get them as much money as possible. So mm-hmm. I think it opens the gate for unconscious biases in choosing what works. So a particular mm-hmm. demographic, a particular body frame, a particular jawline i've done it and, i've done and, it and don't forget what we're in we're in we're in a western society so beauty standards are going to be eurocentric every time i've gone to africa on the billboards it's just black models it's just black people you're seeing curves you're seeing you're seeing features there because it's, again it's africa exactly it's a different system it's a different yeah, style it's a different, and different style different thing. So it's we standard. are in europe exactly so to think that back to what you were saying about um you know what matches and why they're being picked Again, it comes back to the fact that it's a business and the fact that we are still operating in, I think, Eurocentric beauty standards and things are changing, as you said, because you do see that one, um, you still, you're starting to see more people of colour or more yes, diversity. Definitely. So because of globalisation, because of the world that's changing, it is beginning to change, but not nearly fast enough. So I think you're putting me perfect sense to me. And I think we have to look at the business behind fashion and why mm. it is the way, because it's money at the end of the day, it's money. And will the world... A certain model make more money for the brand as opposed to another model. Other ones take chance on the other model, maybe not. And what we're seeing from the data, it goes get, get, get further up the chain. Ben, what do you what do you think? I haven't witnessed anything too much. I mean, I've only really been in the fashion industry for a couple of years, doing what I do. But I've also started assisting and just doing some styling work. Um, but from a lot of the shows I've seen that I have seen, um, maybe the there could be more diversity in the models, absolutely. I think unless you're going to a really progressive designer show, you're gonna mm. see you know, um, a lot of bigger variety of sizes, ethnicity, um, or maybe if it's a designer who's of color, they're gonna you know, make a point of representing um, you know, black, brown, 
um, ethnicities. I want to just um, go with that point, actually, that Norman's making about business, because what's interesting is when we talk about what sells, obviously the media has a really big impact on that. And the stories that we tell in the media can be the stories that consumers pick up on. So obviously the media has a very big role here, very important role. But what do you think the media could be doing more of now and in the future to ensure that we normalize more diversity? <laughs> I think just consistently showing yeah, a diverse group of people, you know, I think what's important with the movement as has been talked about is, you know, not just doing it all now and trying to jump on it now and because it's trending, but, you know, to keep the momentum and, 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 you know, just keep featuring and, and keep doing things because it's necessary, not because it's now. Um, mm. I, I Trend. Think, yeah, right, exactly. I, I think Trend, yeah. More consistency and, and momentum in using, you know, a diverse group of people in, um, in advertising and, you know, all purposes. I think for me, for media, I think it needs to be a fair representation of um, the country. Yeah. Oh, not yeah. Just a That's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. I think it just needs to be a fair representation of the country. So the furthest place up in Scotland to the low, the furthest place down in the south, fair representation of that area. I mean, people, you know, there's people who have black person never come to contact with them and they may have some very negative stereotypes of um, how we dress how we look um how we carry ourselves you know what i mean i always want to think oh like i said the food's good it smells good the culture's good da, 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 da. <laughs> you know we can list you know we can list a load of stuff that makes you feel when you um embrace our experience should i expect should i put it that way because you know yeah. i think um we're, we're colourful people, we're vibrant people, we're, we're lively people, but um, and we embrace everything and everything, but we're not always always reciprocated in, in with the same open arms. Um, mm. and, and I think, yeah, media could do a lot more by in favor, and not in front of the camera, behind the camera too. Exactly, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think Behind the camera too. I'm seeing so much more. I'm watching the news and I'm like, okay, so I don't know, has anybody got Sky? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So suddenly, all of a sudden, there's a whole section like Black Lives Matter collection. I'm oh, like, where yeah. did that come from? I'm like, all of this. So this was all archived all the time. So suddenly, you found it all. Right. I, so, I yeah. find that funny. I have to admit. Don't you find that absolutely like one of the weirdest things? Yeah. yeah. Again, like, it seems very trend to do with trends. Wait. I think exactly. So the where was it all for? Mm. Yeah, I that's know. my point. Where was all this before? Where was all this information before? These movies, these, these, these whether they were good or bad, good or bad, you know, where, mm. where was all of this? And it's because people, like you said, we go back. People are now stuck at home, so they're now forced to sit down and watch and educate themselves in a way mm. that they may not have been educated before. Yeah, yeah, and I think the important question right now as well is not just where were they before, where are they going to be in a year? Are they still going to be available? Yeah, or is this all going to be forgotten and brushed? Even, even three months, even three months time. Even three months, three months, yeah. months, three months time. Yeah. yeah, even three months for me. I hope it's um, safe on the table. I, I swear to God, I just hope honestly, we should have to. It's, it's a thing of momentum at this point. I think I don't want this to be another watershed moment where it's like another oh my god, and then within a few months, when as life begins to reopen and yeah. lockdown eases globally, then we just sort of say okay. You know, we'll be there next time. Like, I'm really hoping mm -hmm. that systemic change is going to come. Um, 
to go back to that point that was raised about what can the media do so there's two points i want to raise there so one about the sort of diy approach that i think prominent black people have had to do and then secondly about the pageantry world so on the first point about diy um you've got people like rihanna her line fenty a fashion label that embraces models of all shapes sizes and colors um you know she had a very successful line a very colorful um fashion runway show that had the likes of big sean rap migos big rappers there big celebrity influence and i think it's for me it's a shame that has to get to that point we have to have somebody who's literally at the top of the music industry to kind of break the doors down for everyone when it isn't uh or isn't the fashion labels themselves um trying to do they have to get someone at the top of their game to do that but at least it's something so maybe we need to see more of that from people that we look up to We've got some people like Virgil Abloh um you know the artistic director for Louis Vuitton showing that at least at the senior level things are changing you know he might be mm-hmm, a minority mm-hmm. but minority minority at least we're getting more numbers in because the numbers are what matter like you were saying um at the start of the conversation we aren't at the table especially in fashion mm-hmm. we're just not there mm-hmm. we're just not mm-hmm. there so he might just be one of one of one of one of one, but at least there's one now. At least there's one. And hopefully he can And I help. hope the ones that are there help the ones hope, that yeah, are trying to come through because that's another problem that we have in our community as that's, well. That's Let's it, be honest, that's Norman. It. Yeah, no, it's true. It's, it's true. It's true. And and that's what I'm saying. I can only hope because we don't know how long he'll be there for or what he does. So I can only positive and hope. In Jesus' name, he will be there. We can, that's all we can do in this life. So that's my first point. And then on the second point about the pageantry world, um, yeah. so we've seen big strides. Like let's look at um, Miss America, Miss USA, Miss Teen USA, and Miss Universe. They are all black women, and they're all helping to redefine beauty on a global level. I think this is the first time all of these four big title holders are black women, and yeah. I think it needs to become more normalised. Like it shouldn't take a Miss Universe for the, the coverage to come. By all means, we see way more far quicker. But again, we're operating in a system and systems take time. So we're seeing right. more now, but we need to see more quicker moving forward. That's my whole thing with this. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, those are my two points on that. Uh-huh. I think it's a great opportunity right now as well, like we said, yeah. for companies, because we are on lockdown, we're shut down, we're not doing anything. Yeah. Let's take the time and think about what we're doing when we come back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely opportunities um what i i tell you what i one thing i'm looking forward to um after the lockdown um and, and when we kind of get because it's gonna it's gonna take another six months yeah for we even i think before we even start seeing any form of normality as a, i am really hoping that seasons will go out the window mm, yeah because i think it will be such a great change and, and a fresh opportunity for just fashion to be fashion yeah, instead of yeah. saying, um, it, you know, it's summer, winter, autumn, spring, and all that. Yes, we yeah. have seasons, and I get that, and everybody builds up towards that. But I think it would be up a lot more if people had the opportunity to say, you know, just to be designing for designing sake, or and yeah. and then allowing um, all cultures to get because different times of the year, different cultures become more prominent. If sense, mm. yeah, um, that's what I see for different times. So like. You know, we know that um, coming towards um, August, around that time, and I, and I come back to the UK as well. In the UK, we know it's coming towards carnival season. So we know that we're going to see a lot more vibrant colours. We know that mm. we're going to see a lot more flowers and feathers and more skimpy. We know, we know what we like in the UK. We know what we like in different parts of the world because that's a whole... That's a whole thing um, that, that black people are into by themselves. You know, I mean, that's part of our culture. And also around due time, we know that, you know, we have gay pride, rainbows. We see a lot of, lot of things that are just around the cultures. 
as such mm. um things that happen major things that happen in the uk um i think then start pro to project the way people sing and styling themselves accordingly mm. am i right or am i wrong is anybody like no you're right like you're right that. So I'm hoping um, that seasons actually go out the way that we don't be looking at things like so rigid, like, okay, so we need to be doing London Fashion Week in February. Mm. No, we can like London Fashion Week later down in the year if we want. I think if I jump in following that, um, you know, I, I think even as creatives, it, and I've spoken to some designers and it's exhausting to keep, you know, doing these collections well, sometimes you know, up to four a year if not more than that and yeah um you know you, you lose the joy of just creating for yourself yes. and putting you know a real um sense of purpose and, and theme and uh, and important matters into that specific collection that maybe you want to make but of course you have time because you've got to you know just get it out there and um i i, I think it's a much better idea and um yeah, just for creative purposes and, and, and just to slow things down and also for the climate. Um, I, I think it's kind of the way it is going to be going anyway, especially when it comes to climate change. Um, yeah, sustainable yeah. fashion, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and people aren't going to have money like what they had before. No. Mm. They're, just, they're just not going to be that, that, that um, disposable income, you know? Mm -hmm. No, even even the focus, like this idea of like what, what people might say, like drip or swag or style, like everyone's at home. So you're not really going anywhere. Like the most I see is, you know, people getting doled up and dressed up to go to the shops because it's just an excuse to look nice and feel good about yourself. But we're not in the old times, pre, um, before Corona, where, you know, every Friday night you're going out, every Saturday night you're going out. Don't, might not have that for a very long time. So I think fashion actually has taken a bit of a backseat. I think the most fashion we kind of get now are masks. Um, how, yeah. how how cool yes. does your mask look, you know? Because I'm seeing some pretty funky ones right now. And I hate them. I actually yeah, they're them. annoying. They're annoying. I have just the old school, like the clinical scene. Old school. I want to keep. I'm keeping old school. Like, I'm just keeping it that. Like, I uh, hate them. I actually hate them. I hate the whole. Because they're really them. going to town with them. Yeah. I hate hate the whole idea of wearing them. I don't like. Yeah, them. it's, it's the, not the, natural. Think, it's no. quite suffocating. It is. You know what? I think. Go on. Um, just to take your point further about what you want to see, if we move away from Fashion Week, which I think would be a great step in terms of opening up the industry, for me, what yep. I think we need to see more of, and again, back to this idea of fashion being a business, that there's a there's a big focus on what it does for the economy, what it does for how society operates, right? I think the government needs to be more involved, or the powers that be, in investing more money into startup platforms and ventures to help people like me. So I want to use Fashion for, fashion for Africa as an example. So um, oh. Maxine will know of it, Rihanna will know of it, but just people that are listening. So... It's um, um, a platform that essentially aims to train, mentor, and develop creative talent of African origin, and they hold a, a competition once a year um, where it's a modeling and designer competition. So a female model and a, a female and a male model are selected as winners, and a designer is selected as a winner as well. The designer gets a trip to Africa, um, and um, the, men the models get mentoring and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. And you know, when I look at what that program gave me it gave me a starting point to finally know where the starting line is to begin the race like how i'm supposed to compile a portfolio like what how agencies actually work and you know but what's norman, in what's all fairness not. let me just kind mm. of say 
You did a lot of work on that for yourself. I did. You were so. You come on. Let's talk the thing. Do you know what I mean? You were so bloody passionate about that thing. It was. It was like you just didn't stop. You went in. Rihanna, come on, back me up on this. He went in all guns blazing, and he was just. You. You took. You was like a sponge. You absorbed. You took in everything, and then you'd go away. You'd go, and then you regurgitate. You took it all in, and I think there are platforms that are out there that are, are just as good. Um, mm. Whether it's um, a fashion for Africa, whether it's. Um, um, Africa Fashion, whether it's pageants, mm. whether it's all that, there's, there's so much going on out there, but you have to want it first. Exactly, and, yeah. And that, that's that's solely how I see that my, my, my play in Israel. If you don't mm. want it, I'm not going to waste my time mm. thing, sitting pretty and looking good. You, you've, you, you've been around, what, what are we talking about, four years now? Yeah. Four, yeah, four years. In that four years, every year you've excelled. You've gone on and on and you told me what your goals were originally in the beginning. So for me to like hear you're speaking now and we're sitting down, we're actually talking on the same platform. It, I've, I've watched your growth. So um, you have to first want those things first. That's so very I, true. That's I've got to true. just put that in there first. Uh, thank you. No, that's a really good point because I, I, I can speak to that because, again, the platform was there, but it's about how you use it. Um, yes. I got to be, I got to um, intern at the Julia McDonald on, on Schedule Fashion Week show, right? Like Winnie Harlow was there, um, like mm. the world was there basically, right? But I got that just through really networking and making the most of those connections. Yeah, you but did work. You I, did... Got, I got those... I got those connections through the platform. So even though necessarily like dots wouldn't connect themselves, I saw a way to connect those dots. But it was through being in that room, regardless of how much the platform itself helped me, I knew that I could get connections out of it at the very least. And I think that's what we need more of, especially for people from our backgrounds or from minority backgrounds. Those, those sort of safe spaces in the in the, in the creative industry where mm-hmm. you know you're going to be developed because there are so many scams out there. I'm sure Rihanna can speak to this. There are so many scams. Oh, yeah. There are so many fraudulent enterprises out there. There are so many big agencies that will tell you i've heard the craziest stories like pay us 200 pounds and we'll, we'll make a portfolio for you and we'll get you bookings and then you just never hear from them again once you pay the 200 pounds like i've heard some real horror stories mm-hmm. but you know with, with Africa, africa you know it's, it's an environment where i most importantly for me i got connections how i met you Rhiannon, and it's how i got the six page spread in your magazine yeah. i learned about media and pr being on radio at london met university so even though necessarily I wasn't like babied or coddled, as, as Maxine rightly says, they're not going to coddle you in any way, but they give you the connections. I think as as minorities or even people that aren't connected to the industry necessarily, we lack those connections. And that's what we need. And I think that's where the funding is so necessary to help support these organisations to give them the long term and short term funding they need to keep going. Let's say office space, for example, or the money for a vehicle to get to and from certain things or for media. No, I, I, that's where I disagree. What do you think? What do you disagree. think? I disagree. I, I think that, that if there's going to be funding um, for f- certain things, I think the structure and what it is. Okay, so I, I look at something like Rianne's magazine. Mm. Um, and what I love about London Runway magazine that it, it just covers everything. Uh, and it covers everything in London and mainly to do with runway. And um, we had, um, most recently we had, um, we did our, did our um, faces, didn't we, Marie? Yes, and we did. because we're in lockdown, we actually had to do the interviewing online, and where we would normally, and it's only our second year in, so we didn't have to have the opportunity to do a casting, but we was able to do the casting online. But what we found this time was, is that it was so diverse in in age, looks, size, height, um, yep. everything, and I was like, wow, this is a real eclectic mix of 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 people that want to get into the industry. 
But the passion was what drew me to a lot of people because they were very excited about what they were going to. And we had a few professionals in there as well. That was the other thing. There's a couple of really mm -hmm. proper professionals that I've seen on runway shows and big runway shows, um, which I was really surprised. And those were the ones that I found were of colour. So even when I'm looking at them and I'm thinking, so why would you want to be involved in something like this? And they, it's an opportunity. So it's things like the magazines or other platforms that extends um, from just runway um, or, or auditional casting, if I'm making it. There's extensions that, that, that's needed outside of that that should be getting the fund and that are constructed properly. And, I'm, and I mean that sincerely because a lot of some of the platforms uh, where black people are involved, let's say, they're not constructed properly. They're just not. My truth. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. And I, I want to sort of catch on the point uh, that you were saying before as well, Maxine, about making it not um, a strict season, but making it more open. Mm -hmm. Now, I was looking through our pages sort of in preparation through this thinking okay what kind of diversity do we have i mean we've always even since the first issue we've always focused on making sure that we represent london in reality so that's mm -hmm. about real people uh, mm -hmm. and a real diverse mix so i'm looking at the most diverse runways tend to be the smaller what we call community shows that yes yeah 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 yep. and yep. that's what yep. design, you know designers will pay a fee and, and take part in that but then what you look at that and you go okay well that's the only thing you can afford to do because it's london fashion week yep. because all the prices are so expensive Correct. Mm. Oh, yep. okay. and if you're in a position where you're subject to systemic racism where you don't have those opportunities as a child where you don't get the right education and you know so on and so forth just like the things that have been brought up by black lives matter you don't have access to that kind of capital mm -hmm. where you can plan a London Fashion Week on schedule show. So if we do away with this schedule, then I, I think there are going to be a lot more opportunities yeah. for people from those backgrounds. Definitely, definitely. I like that idea a lot. I really do like that idea a lot. But obviously, you know, when you're when you're doing that, if there's no and I, and I not even say like schedules. I said if there's no seasons. So people are building yeah. up towards September and February. It's a lot of pressure, you know. Mm. It is, and and even and it, we get we go under a lot of pressure just trying to get to some of the exactly. some of these exactly. events. And I think if you if you had more of, of shows going on through the year, like through the year, different shows at different times, or you know, di just different. The more diverse and the, the more out there that works. I mean. Um, at the end of, I think, what's it, yeah, London Queer Fashion Shows at the end, usually end of September. And that's like my favourite show for the whole year. That's my that's my favourite show. Out of all the unscheduled shows that I go and see, all the off that is like, like one of the most banging shows because it's just very diverse. It, it's got everything and everything that I want to see in a show. Creativity, colour, freedom, queerism, everything. Everything's there. I love it. I just love it. And I go there and I actually have a brilliant bloody time. You start with the London Queer Fashion Week? Yeah. Oh, it looked like so much fun. I've got to attend the next one. Oh, oh it, brilliant. I actually have a ball. I've been twice now, and I would love to be involved on a much higher level next time around. But um, even just attending is good enough for me. I'm happy. I'm really uh, happy to attend. So yeah. it, it's just, yeah, it, it would be, it, it's just a good show. So with having no season, then I think, um, like I said, around summertime. So what were you now? What were you now? June? So I was supposed to do a show in April just before lockdown. And that was just like five, I think it was five young brands, young black guys, a black guy, 
Like I hadn't met even I hadn't even met all the designers properly because that's the state I was getting to. And that was supposed to be on the twentieth. It was called what was it called? Flipping out. Um, Project Black. That's it. Project Black. It was called. And it was um, five young designers just going to launch their new collection. They didn't get a chance to launch. So, you know, oh, this young man was walking, working towards the venue was already booked. Um, we had rehearsed, we decided to rehearse with all the models. And then we had to lock everything down. Now, all that money that he had to, I'm hoping that he's put all that money to one side, George. I hope he's put all the money to one side that he'll be able to do the show again. But has he lost his money on his venue? We don't know. Um, will it clash with another time? There's other shows. Um, well, Rianne, help me out. There's a few other shows that we, we've attended that are not, in the season, but they're still good shows. Yeah, mm. yeah um, absolutely. Silk Road um, Fashion there's... Show, that's another one that I've attended, yes, not in yeah. season. Very good, high quality. Um, tends to have a mixture of um, different models, not all the same sh- shape, sizes, and kind of, always has a different um, mix of it. And then August coming up, so it would be Africa Fashion Week London, um, Freemasons Hall. Mm-hmm. Um, just sat on that one. And that would be predominantly um, black models. Um, predominantly black designers um from all over africa amazing have you you've attended that right norman um yes yeah so you you see that and, and that's in august and that's not even on season and mm-hmm. then what october yeah. then october we have what black history month and then i hardly see any shows in black history month funny enough i don't think there are there's always like the one-off special again the one-off special but yeah it's, oh, yeah it's, uh, from that um you know just slowing down um, and while you know the, the the Black Lives Matter movement is is happening, and everyone wants to have their say and and show their solidarity, I still think you know while that's fantastic, I do think you know we need to slow down and you know keep the momentum going, kind of thing, but not feel like it it all has to be now. I mean, I've had to kind of step away from uh, Instagram a little bit just because even though I'm in the process of doing the work and have been doing the work for the last couple years uh, with race relations um i'm glad you know i feel like every everybody that i'm engaged with um, or that follows me uh you know are all on the same page with it so that makes me really positive and and and, and feel great that you know i can trust everyone's doing their bit and and while all the educational posts are going around that's also fantastic but i've had to give myself some time off because you know it's, it's again it, you know with the burnout you um You've got, you've got to take it easy on yourself and you know and not feel like you've got to do everything right now you know it can be something you can keep doing yes yeah oh like, yes. Uh, you know th- like dizzy rascal this morning i'm not sure if you guys saw but on um good morning britain dizzy rascal was interviewed by piers morgan and um oh, really? piers tried yeah. To, yeah piers tr- piers tried to ask him to watch a review on black lives matter and dizzy rascal said well um, why, why do you think I have the answers? Like, I don't want to speak from that right now. It's a sunny day. I have lots of opinions. I have lots of views on this, but today mm-hmm. I just don't want to talk about it. And so he kind of, there was a big yeah. back and forth, but Pierce tried to edge him into the answer and he just said no. And, you know, it became a bit unsavory towards the end. But the point here being that, yeah, like, you don't have to do everything now. Like, I, I personally have to take a break from social media for a little bit. I have to regulate how much I'm on the phone, like, just phone conversations, because this is like an everyday thing now, even just at home with my family. Like, because it's everywhere now, these conversations. It's not just yeah. George Floyd anymore. It's about mm-hmm. the work. It's about the workplace, the world. It's about the creative world. It's about where do you live? Like, do you live in, a, in an area where there's um, inequality in terms of wealth distribution or, or things like that? You know, so mm-hmm. everyone's being forced to look around themselves and just think, okay, what mm-hmm. world do you really live in? Where are we trying to go? And I think it's a harsh reality because the simulation we're in before is kind of cracked. I think. 
Wow, yeah. that yeah. is so funny to hear. And I'm, because, and this is what I'm saying, the, the age difference um, in terms mm. of, is that I am far too busy to spend as much time as I see you younger lot on social media. And I'm thinking you not spend mm. far too much. You don't plug out. Yeah, we you don't. Actually, you actually we don't, don't plug don't. out. And I'm saying yeah. you need to plug out. You yeah. cannot yeah. be operating 100 miles an hour um, seven mm. days a week. That is ridiculous. No. You're going to kill mm. yourself. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're taking yeah. in so much information. And I, mm. you know, and I, and I said, can you store <laughs> information without going to your phone to try and remember it? Can you write a shopping mm. list? Do you know what I mean? When was the last time you took a walk? <laughs> no, can you write a letter? And you know, mm. similar, similar ways, it's, the, I know we're going to gone a bit left on it, but like I said, the conversation, the topic of conversation now is like the Black Lives Matter, um, I Can't Breathe. And it, it's been drilled so much into people's heads that you feel that it's something you've got to talk about so much. I remember, mm. I mean, I'm going to jump in because we were supposed to do this last week, but we was unable to do it for some weird reason. And first thing we had said, oh, it might be off topic. It will never be off topic now. It's something that will mm. never be off topic because mm. you can't run away or hide from what is exactly happening now. It's happening. It's now it's going to happen and it's going to continually keep happening until effective change. And mm. I think, I think as well, for a lot of the younger generation, it's, Suddenly, there's something else outside of your phone that's really happening. Yeah, yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, can yeah. I jump on? Can I jump on this point? This is a really good point. I was thinking about this um, the other day. Just this idea of the connect between real life and social media, the virtual world, Come and how we're like, yes. because so because we're all at home now, we've had to all really lean into the technologies. Let's say work, for example, Ooh, like Zoom calls, all that. So I feel like pre-corona i feel like life was beginning to blend like social media life and real life were becoming almost one in some ways like your online profile was becoming a very big representation of who you were in some ways i'm not speaking for everyone but that's just something that i felt was happening and um you know when thinking about let's say the creative industry for example like i feel like for modeling especially and the fashion world Instagram creates this like weird illusion that if you're doing a lot on the app then you're in the industry and you're doing it and you're making it paying a lot of likes or people are commenting but what, I, what I've learned and what I tell people and people that I know that do this as, as a living, it's like some things might come organically from the app and from your phone, but the bulk of it will come from real life. Like you have to be at events, you have to network, you have to yeah. go for yeah. castings, you have to meet people, you have to do things in real life. And I feel like mm-hmm. as the point of Maxine just said, you know, this thing of social media, the online world versus the real world and unplugging, you know, I feel like everyone's going through their own moments in terms of peaks and troughs with social media. Like sometimes mm-hmm. people have to just completely disconnect. I have so many friends that have told me, look, my phone's been off. No one can get to me. I just need a few weeks to myself. I'm, I'm going through it. And I just need to be by myself. And I think that does wonders in a world that's been moving so fast. And it's so hard to disseminate between fact and opinion now because of how quickly things come out on the internet, especially platforms yeah. like Twitter, you know, where an opinion can be so strong that it almost comes across as fact. You know, yeah. that's one thing I find really interesting yeah. about Twitter. Um, but yeah. Oh, at the end of the day, even if you've, you know, with everybody having their voice on social media, the mm. everyone is only ever really thinking about themselves and worrying about themselves and what they're mm-hmm. no one's mm-hmm. really thinking about, oh, I wonder what this person's posted today, or I wonder what this person's opinion is. Unless yeah. it's yeah. you really look up to, um, you know, that you're following on a regular basis. But I think we that, that maybe that can come first in in thinking, oh actually, you know what, I can take a step away and I can log off because no one's yeah. caring or thinking and you know 
the work only really shows when you are doing it, you know, outside of, you know, as you were saying, offline. Um, mm-hmm. And you're getting to these events and you're meeting these people. I mean, I feel so grateful from the past two years of actually doing the work and being able to attend these shows and, mm-hmm. and meeting people. And I actually met Maxine at my first fashion week in 20. You did. Mm-hmm. That, that is how strange is that? I was saying that to Rianne earlier on. You did. I did. And then when yeah. I went back into the um, message and I went, I met Ben. Yeah, you I met? know. I was thinking, why did you guys think you did this? I'd be so confused. The world is so small, but it, yeah. it's still a circle. And so you, what goes around comes around eventually. Yeah, and it's it's been super lovely. But I think, you know, just learning to just be with yourself and being present and not um, thinking, oh, I've got to say something all the time. And yeah. 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 You've got to be careful as well with social media about getting into a bit of an echo chamber. Um, you know, it's so important to go and follow people who are not from your same background and don't hold the same opinions as you. Mm. Because otherwise you're just getting your own view repeated back to yourself. Yes, that's true. That's not, that's not going to open your worldview at all. That's not going to change your mind about anything. And I think, you know, it can sometimes be a positive thing. You know, like Ben was saying earlier that, you know, all of your people you connect with, none of them are showing racist views. That's great because you don't have to, you know, sit and look at that. But mm. on the other hand you can get lulled into this thing of like, oh, the work's been done. There is no racism anymore. Right, right. Mm. Yeah, that could be thought by people. Yeah, that could be perceived. Mm. I, I hope that my question would be, what, where will we be three, three months from now? Um, how will everybody be feeling about the whole Black Lives Matter situation? Yeah, you know I mean, I, you know, if the truth is that everybody's holding... Everybody's holding their breath because I think, <laughs> iconically say, because I think everybody wants something out of this, but nobody's not quite sure mm. of what's going to come out of it. Mm. <laughs> and I laugh. And I, and I laugh because it's a whole new generation of people. There is a cycle of people that are slowly being shifted out of the way for a whole new generation to come in. Mm. And you're going to have to listen to what you guys are saying and I say you guys because like I said I'm, I'm predominantly older than a lot of you I've experienced a lot more um but if you're if I'm if I can say this without if I can still be current 20 years later underground then I think it's about time I became current now um so that I can be that voice because I've watched so much change um People who wouldn't let me in, or should I say let me in, or wouldn't hear what I had to say. Um, I was just mm-hmm. as qualified as you, just as good as you, but because of the colour of my skin, you, you you found it okay to tell me that um, I just need to sit there and listen. Yeah, <laughs> and I laughed because I patiently did sit there and listen, didn't I? Um, I didn't kind of get up and do the angry black woman thing you sit there and you yeah you sit there and you you listen and you learn and you, and you learn and you learn very well um how things work and how the system works you, you you know like i said it's a business it is a business the, the the business is changing and i'm not very savvy with the internet and all of that so i think that's been one of my 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 holdbacks if i was really good i, I probably could be anywhere in the world and doing any amount of things. But with the UK, I think sometimes you're just stuck into a box and you, you, you stay in that box until 
you're waiting for someone to pull you out. Yeah, yeah. Does that make sense? You know what I mean? It does. We, mm. we, we queue patiently now. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, we've been queuing for years. We're just doing it two yeah. meters apart. <laughs> <laughs> so you know life is changing and it's changing but you guys you younger guys the uk is a big melting pot yeah and whether we like it or not all lives matter and i say all lives matter because we've all got to survive this thing and come out the other end very positive with change there has to be change some of us haven't got the energy anymore to keep fight to do this this, this level of fighting because we can't keep up. We literally can't. It, it no, takes that's it. why we're here. That's why we're here. No, hundred percent. Yeah, get you. That's yeah. why we're here. We're very I'm... tired. Become very, very tired. And there's only a few that actually want to stand up. And some are very comfortable. They've got the house. They've got the car. They've earned their money. They're doing what they got. Yeah. To and they're mm -hmm. comfortable just doing being being. But there's some out there that you know they 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 really strongly need the backing. Not just from black people, like all races, all nations. Yeah. I don't say races because there's only one race, the human race, but all nations, all nationalities, and all cultures. It needed. It is so needed now. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's um, yeah, it is important that we don't get stuck into, you know, the statistics like we were saying mm, earlier. The you know, numbers. That we don't go and say okay. Well, we have to have 25% of our employees to be black. Mm. So we'll hire 25% and no more. And that'll be all we do. It has to be talent-based. Yes. Yeah, it has to be fair. Not, fair. Not, not, yeah, not racial-based, not gender-based, no. not sexuality-based, not income or means-based, mm -hmm. but based on talent. Mm. Based on that you can actually do the job that you're applying for. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. And that's it. I, I, I can do that job. And then not because you're somebody's friend or you're, you're sleeping with whoever <laughs> podcast <laughs> oh, you, you know what I mean <laughs> you're doing whatever whatever you, by any means necessary should I say but based upon the talent you can actually do the job that's it really yeah. we kind of want what an ideal world that would be to live in that would be a, that would be a really good one and you know <laughs> like I said I, I always say to the younger ones um, coming up with these doing you know, be the person that to be treated as, and I and, and I say that like I I have an outlook. I I treat people the way that I want to be treated. Um, I speak to people the way that I want to be spoken to. I deal with people the way that I want to be dealt with. And if it's wrong, it's wrong. If it's right, it's right. But always be truthful about where where you're at and what you're dealing with I, I i've said i say to Rian many times and i've said to other people when we're sitting down and we're casting and i i sometimes have to ask the question i've, I've done it to him so what's my quota you mm. know what i mean in terms of balance and, and what how we might need to do things or how i need to look at things or i've gone into castings and i and I say like are we how many black girls are we allowed to have are we looking for girls with weaves do we need so many weaves? Oh, do I need time to take it off? Because I've got to question all of these things because it's brands right. that we're working with. Um, mm -hmm. All of these, listen, okay, we don't want two dark guys. We need one that's fair skin. We need one that's light skin. <laughs> we need one with logs. We need one with, that's got short clean cut. These are all, and, but yet still, right across the board, we may not want two blonde girls. Do you know what I mean? Um, 
yeah. we don't want um two that are red we want one that's I've, I've i've experienced so much and so we're constantly um if you can call if you can call we're constantly dissecting on what we're happy enough to put up with and what we're happy enough to see but can the person do the job? I've had to argue for models and say, she can do the job. She can do the job. Forget what you want. She can do the job. And I've been right, 100% right. Yeah, we, you know, a lot of the people that are in positions of power as casting directors or creative directors or so on are white. And yes. then, of course, they're going to have that racial bias because they want to see themselves represented. Mm. Mm. But unfortunately, mm. sometimes you have to be able to step back from your vision, mm. something which I've definitely learned owning a company and having people working for me. Mm-hmm. You have to listen to that person that says, actually, if you do it this way, it might be better. Mm. You know what, Rihanna, can I, can I jump on that point? Go um, on, go on, go on. Really... I was jump into. Go on, go on. There, there are two things I want to add on to supplement that point. So first of all, I think with regards to the recruitment of how models are sort of selected or at castings or be what have you, there are two things that I think could really change in this, in how, how things are done. So firstly, looking at the prospective model and what, how they can add value to the situation. So say a model comes into your room and you think they can do it, but you're not sold because, again, of the unconscious biases. I think, and you don't want to sign them onto your books, for example. I think look at what they can do to add value to the agency as a whole. So for me, for example, I'm unsigned. I'm still trying to make that breakthrough. And for me, look like as a package, right? I work full time in the corporate industry, but I also work as a presenter of a TV network. So in terms of the way that I can promote your brand and your business, the rooms that I'm in are far different to somebody who is also unsigned, but maybe might not exist in the other industry, they might not work. I'm somebody that can put that can shout out your agency on TV. I'm someone that when I'm in the corporate space, I can bring up your you know what I mean, I can I can plug your business into environments that I'm in. And I think mm-hmm. there needs to be a greater appreciation for how the, the model can add value to the situation. Okay. I think that would open the playing field so much wider in terms of who they're selecting and how they're selecting. And then secondly, again, just the willingness to give more people a chance, as um, Maxine was saying, like Maxine seems to really, I've seen her, she's really kind of on the on the front line trying to really help people break through. And I think we need to see more um, selection, more on a, on a meritocratic basis. So not just you have the right look or I saw you from across the street and I like your jawline sort of thing, but mm. actually, what's your portfolio saying? How many mm. test shoots have you done? Like, mm. again, I use myself as an example. I've won a competition. I've, I've been published in, in two fashion magazines. I've done shoots abroad. I've featured in L. I've done things in real life without being like without being signed by like a major agency. You know what I mean? I've, I've done these things off my own back, right? Versus maybe somebody who just has the look at that moment and will take the chance on that person who has the jawline they want. For me, it's something I've seen over the years and it frustrates me because, I mean, I can't get upset for another person being selected over myself. That's their decision. But what I can say is I do find it unfair when we're not taking into account the merits that I have, like I try and explain these things, but then, but this is already made. Norman, but I'm going to mm-hmm. send this to you. And, and okay. Your passion for what you do overrides your modelling, and mm. this is this is this is where agencies agencies are in the in the business of making money. Exactly, yeah. And and that's the first thing. And if they don't feel that that you will make money for them, exactly. They're not going to take you on, and that—that's the reality of what yeah. it is. They're just not going to take you on. You could—you could have your finger in a million and one different pies, but they're not going to take you on. Um, at the end of the day, your passion alone, and, and, and the way that you've managed to um, push yourself forward, um, mm. doing what you what you want to do. Modeling is only a small entity; it's like two percent of what you actually can, can do. 
Mm. It, it's, su- it's such a small thing. That was just a stepping stone on a platform. I told you this, and I say, and I can say it live on air now. Um, modeling is not is not your being on end all. I mm. I know where I see you going, and I've said it to you several times, and you're doing it. I said it to mm. you four years ago, and you're actually doing it. TV presenting, I actually there's a couple of people that I am been seeing, and I'm mentioned. I'm saying this is the route you need to be going down. Modeling is only a it's like a confidence booster. It's it's just one one branch off of the whole tree. Mm. That's all it is. It's one branch off of the whole tree. Agencies won't well, don't take on models based on always on looks, on based always on um, merit. They take them on, and can they make them money? Mm. If I put in all that work yeah, as an agent and do so, putting all that work as an agent and and do all that, and I don't get a return back on you, I've lost. Yeah, I've lost. What's the point of me sending you for castings when I know that none of my, none of my clients are even going to look at you? Like Ben, I didn't even know Ben was a stylist. Um, now I'm hearing that he's a stylist. Now yeah, I do a bit of styling. I've, I mean, through you know what I've been doing, attending shows, doing fashion illustration, I've networked okay. and. There's, you know, there's other creative areas, I suppose, that you fall into and you think, oh, I want to try that out. Um, yeah. And so styling, I, you know, I met a stylist that I sketched outside a show and I, and then she got me onto her agency and then I got some work with her and then I got, and then I did some stuff with Dazed and then I don't promote it a lot because I haven't got enough to show yet. But um, and the, I don't, and this is my thing. I keep hearing a lot of people saying that they never have enough to show. And I'm saying, uh, show what you've got. <laughs> Mm. Yeah, I mean, I've done my illustration work a lot, but I need to, um, you know, show more of the styling. Put it in between your illustration work. It's you. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? In some of the images that you create, do you know, there's a there's a guy on. Sorry, I'm going a bit left, but I just got to get it out of there. No. There's a guy <laughs> on. Um, his name's Francesco. He Francesco. does the, he does the windows for um Trey. They they're they're. That stylist that does that window, so he is an amazing stylist. Absolutely. I would advise any young person who wants to see creativity and clothes and fashion all under one, follow him. Yeah, follow yeah. him. He's just an amazing person to watch. I, think that I, 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 I was just it. doing some... Have you done it? just done some background research. His name is Francesco Colucci. There you go. Thank you. Okay. I guess what is it? So it's francesco.colucci82 on Instagram. Yeah. Great stylist, okay. absolutely great. But he doesn't get even get half the recognition that he should get. He is so mm. bloody good, but so underrated. I think you have to do that again. That's you've got to do the work <clears throat> offline, and then you can start building that up. Yeah. You know, you He's, need to spend that time doing it, and you know, and and then people will start getting on board with what you do. And see what he's done as well, just looking at what he's done, because what he's done now that he hasn't had shop windows to dress, he's been creating his art. So he's now turned his creations into pieces of art amazing yeah that's, that's amazing amazing and i'm like i'm really blown away by what he's doing possibilities are endless yeah so you know it's... i was gonna say you know something that i find um with other people you know people my age and younger that comes up time and time and again is that we often there's this feeling like you almost have to wait to be given permission to do something uh, and i think yeah. personally when I had that breakthrough and I was like, you know what? I could just start a fashion magazine. Yes. Nothing's actually stopping me. And suddenly it happens and you go, oh, all right. I didn't need permission from the industry or someone in authority. That's or, right. You know, anybody. That's right. What, yeah. If you want to do something, just go out and do it. Yeah. Yes. That goes for all the all the creative people, you know. I mean, Absolutely. I've been holding back from creative things I want to do for so long. And 
the this lockdown has allowed me to start developing those ideas some i still need to bring to fruition but um so you know um i think you know where we're at now i think it's something new something very very fresh is happening um i think my last my very last video and it's funny because i've done a lot of my recordings before lockdown but then listening back to all of the recordings that were done and I'm, i've been able to post which looks like fresh new content Mm. But I must have been way ahead of myself in my own game, kind of realizing that maybe something was going to happen because it's still current. I am open to such new stuff. I'm ready to create, start creating some new stuff and giving opportunity to those creatives in the creative industry, opportunities, um, working together, more collaborations. For me, it's not always about the money. It's no, no. showcasing. Mm. Um, yep. If you've got it, you've got it. If you haven't got it, you haven't got it we can always negotiate, but don't abuse my time and don't abuse my work. And this is where I'm at um, with a lot of people right now. And you, there's only so much that you can do for free over time. But now like nobody's got any money. Nobody hasn't got like that mm. free, that freed yeah. up space. You know what I mean? People are still trying to hold on to their livelihoods, their houses, their homes, their jobs, just their general, what they know to be normal. But then you've also realized in this lockdown that none of that really matters as well. Life mm. matters. Black lives matters. <laughs> life matters. Bring it around in, in a circle. <laughs> it around in a, and life matters, and how you live, and how you're going to be doing things in the future from this point on, is going to make such a big difference in ten, twenty, thirty years from now, because it will be your children. So That's it. sobering thought. <laughs> it will be, but it, it will, will be. be. It will, be. it will be. Remember, I've got a daughter. Daughter's older than all of you. This is true. Mm. So, yeah, very interesting. Very, very interesting. So. All right. Good stuff. Well, I think we've kind of come to a natural <laughs> conclusion to the discussion. Oh, so, oh, it's really time. Cool. Oh, it's <laughs> Thank conclusion. you all for joining me. Thank you, Rianne, Thank for having me. I really enjoyed yeah, that. Thank you very much, Are honestly. You... This episode of London Runway Style was presented by me, Chief Editor Rhiannon de Verk, and I was joined by Maxine Griffiths, Norman Basigu, and Ben Springham. You can find full issues as well as interviews, articles, trend reports, and more at londonrunway.co.uk, and follow us at London Runway Mag on most social media channels. You can also follow our guests. Maxine is at mg underscore creative underscore catwalk, and at The Model Workshops. Norman is at Norman Bisigu, and Ben is at Ben Springham. Until next time, enjoy! <laughs>